Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Chris Sweeney reporting to you from the wilds of Australia. I am pleased to report spider count zero, snake count zero, shark count mm, sort of one. I So I'm here in the Gold Coast. I've seen no spiders. I did put my elbow through a large spider's web today, which blew my mind. And I'm not sure it was a large spider's web. It was a spider's web. And I was like, oh, but I didn't see any spiders. I'm in a city, so I don't think I'd see any snakes. But I feel like I hear them quite a lot in my head, I'm talking about. I'm like, oh my God, what's that snake? But where I am is on canals that are full of bull sharks, I'm told. But also, by the way, being a Brit in Australia, you never know if people are um, winding you up because they like doing that. They like telling you that things are dangerous when they're not because they see my reaction where I completely overreact but someone sent me a photo of a bull shark that was nearby anyway we love all animals you know no harm intended to them I'm just a jumpy character so that's the big news I will keep you updated on said wildlife watch um what are we doing today well it's a very nice episode of homo sapiens because we've got someone who's really funny on the show and as you know I'm a big fan of a giggle with you lot. Today we are speaking to broadcaster, artist and host of the hilarious After the Tone podcast, Scotty, aka Scotty is fat on socials. Scotty came on the podcast before, actually, as a phone a friend. So we had so much fun, we're doing more. Scotty is also a regular as a contributor on Radio 4's Loose Ends, um, which is one of my favourite shows. I'm also running a bath while I'm talking to you and... I've got to keep it in my eye line because if it overflows, I'm in a hotel. I'll be very unpopular. Anyway, it's a really nice chat with me and Scotty. It's loads of laughing. We're talking about friends and therapy and sorting your head out and life. And I, I just really love Scotty. And the outlook on life that Scotty brings is just, you know, one we need more of. So that's coming up in a second. In the meantime, have you caught up with last week's episodes? We chatted about the LGBTQ plus Museum Queer Britain for our Culture Club episode. And I was joined by actor-director duo Mark Gatiss and Ian Hallard for our Thursday episode. And if you're an ABBA fan, listeners, all I'm going to say is you'll want to give it a listen. And I saw it had great reviews, actually, the play they came to talk to us about. Um, so it's win-win. 
have a look on the feed they're all there if you want to get in touch email us hello at homosapienspodcast.com or on instagram at homosapiens and tell us what you thought of the episode update us on your news agony uncles we love them keep them coming hang on i've got to go and turn this bath off because it's going to overflow hang on hang on one second please call us here's a question does one ever get too old for a bubble bath i love a bubble bath resets my body now before my chat with scotty emails claire got in touch with a correction thank you claire for this kim petrus is the first openly transgender person to win a grammy but wendy carlos was the first transgender person to receive the honor although wendy was not out as a transgender person at the time i think is what i'm understanding from that claire I would hate to get it wrong for a second time, but thank you very much for writing that in. That's really helpful. We love it. We have had an email from Gemma. Hello, Chris and the Homo Sapiens podcast team. Thank you so very much for this podcast. Everyday chores like exercise, doing the dishes and trips to the supermarket are much more enjoyable with you in my ears. I love that you take me to the supermarket. Oh, get me some custard, would you? Love custard. Cold only, not hot. Uh, back to Gemma's email. I am a cis woman who has always been aware of her multi-gender attraction. As a teenager in the dark ages of the early 2000s, those were the days, eh? I questioned if I was a lesbian, but I knew that I liked guys too. Back then, I didn't know that bisexuality existed, let alone asexuality. Interesting, Gemma. I occasionally went on dates with straight men in my 20s, and though I fantasised about being with women, if you'd asked me then, I would have described myself as straight. I was so far in the closet, I was practically in Narnia, lol. Hey, Gemma, we're all in there with you. We've all been in there with you. Some of us still are. Um, And I'm certainly in denial about many other things. Two years ago, I came out as bi to my mum, friends and work colleagues. It was such a relief. A significant portion of my anxiety lifted. That's lovely, Gemma. I dated a woman for the first time, which was amazing. So much better than any of the dates I'd been on with men. Since then, I've started to come to terms with the asexual part of my identity. Although I've dated, I've never kissed anyone, had sex or had a long-term relationship. It just never happened and it never felt like a priority to me. I felt a lot of guilt and shame about this for a long time, but I'm cool with it now. That's great. My personal mental health challenges have also made it difficult for me to put myself out there to meet people and form intimate relationships. I've never been into the idea of hookups with strangers either. Not that there's anything wrong with that if people enjoy it, it's just not for me. Since reading about asexuality, I've come to realise that I'm queer, biromantic, demisexual. Asexuality is different for each asexual person. It's a spectrum. Some asexual people are sex-repulsed and some are sex-favourable, or somewhere in between. It's all valid. I'm not a robot and I want to love and be loved just as much as any allosexual, brackets, non-asexual person, just in a different way. For myself, I'm open to negotiating consensual sex with the right partner in certain circumstances. Someone I've gotten to know well, with whom I share a mutual bond of love, trust and respect, irrespective of gender. But without that bond, it ain't going to happen. Quite right, Gemma. Thank you for the episodes with Yasmin Benoit and Alice Oseman. Alice's excellent YA novel, Loveless, was such a comfort to me on my asexual journey. It would be great if you could get more asexual guests on the show and showcase the diversity of asexual people and our experiences. Perhaps Cody from Ace Dad Advice. Ooh, yes. Thank you, Gemma. I'd love that. Cody from Ace Dad Advice, we're coming for you. Uh, Much love, Gemma. Gemma, what a beautiful email and massive congrats on all these 
self-discoveries and understanding yourself. It's a beautiful, beautiful, you hear me, thing. Speaking of beautiful things, let's go have a chat with Scotty. Where did you grow up? I grew up in a place called Kentish town mm-hmm. i mean i always have to sort of take a moment to think where did i grow up because um if you were from my area i would say crescent which is queen's crescent a place uh, a market mm-hmm. um but we always called it kentish and it wasn't until i got older and i started saying to people oh i grew up in kentish town that they were like oh what a lovely place to grow up because of course the deli that's now in the middle of the high street um <laughs> well that used to be a quick save yes. so you know things have changed in that time listen i grew up in southfields it's now called southfields village so wow. estate agents they work their magic don't they and they change areas for the worst, most of the time. Yeah, I mean, so does capitalism, you know, yeah. aggressive political systems. I mean, mm-hmm. we can't just place it all upon estate agents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, we'd give it a go, but I think there are other things at play. I quite like to put a lot of it on estate agents, though. But they always smell great. They always have, like, amazing aftershave. And I always think, etiquette-wise, can you ask someone, another man, what aftershave they're wearing? Chris, you're sort of giving away the sort of person you are there because uh, most of them are wearing Davidoff, which to me is a massive turn-off. So, I mean, swings and roundabouts. (laughs) No, but this is it. So I have... I'm trying to think of a way to say this without pissing off my husband. I have always really fancied those kind of boys who wear Davidoff and wear a slightly dodgy polyester suit. I don't know what it is, but I've always fancied men like that. I have a very complex relationship when I smell someone wearing jupe. I instantly think, you're a grown man, have a word with yourself. And I also think, but I still would. (laughs) (laughs) But I love you. I love you. And I want to hold you forever and ever. Please be my friend. Please like me. I, you know, I am, there's no friend about it. It's, I do think I'm drawn to the people who probably would have beaten me up at school. And this is why I'm here. (laughs) Honestly, this is why I'm in my fifth year of therapy with Homo Sapiens Podcast. (laughs) Because Great, that's a good innings. I'm currently on a, a therapy holiday. So we talk about therapy a lot on this podcast. It's not accessible for everyone. And so there are great resources. And I talk about Ned. And then at this point, I talk about Nedra Tawab because I think she is an Instagram account who honestly is done as much good for me as therapy. She's a therapist. But I also think when I was thinking, listening to you saying that you're on a therapy holiday, that it's really good from affordability perspective because actually people think you have to be in therapy forever and actually I think you really can go get a chunk and leave and actually think about it in that respect you know it's it's for deliveroos and um (laughs) (laughs) quantifying therapy by deliveroo is absolutely changed my world yes that is excellent that is excellent well done 10 points nothing of dropping 35 quid on a half cold bowl of noodles so (laughs) add 15 quid in there and you could you know solve at least one percent of your problems well see this is the way that i do it like a lot of people because i talk about therapy a lot you know because how do you know someone's in therapy they'll constantly tell you Um, (laughs) yes and so people are constantly saying to me you know how did you find a right therapist for you i talk about therapy all the time no one has ever asked me that what does that tell you (laughs) i'm not seeing it tells you a lot (laughs) 
<laughs> so I use a website called Pink Therapy. It's a bit like a search engine of queer therapists mm-hmm. around the world. And, you know, I put in the things that I wanted to talk about, about non-monogamy. I wanted a queer person. You can talk, uh, you can even request the gender or non-gendered identity of the therapist. Mm. And I found a therapist who does like online therapy. So that mm. makes it cheaper. But um, I also do my therapy every other week because mm. then that also makes it more accessible as well. So there are where I think there is this mystification that you've got to sit in a room, um, you know, and like talk to somebody at length and they're going to charge you a lot of money. Now, th- that does exist. Let's not mm. lie. That does exist. But there are ways of like working, particularly like if you work with, like if you want to approach things like the LGBT Foundation in Manchester, there are like London Friend, there are organisations out there who do try and supply as much mental health support as they can at mm. subsidised rates. But even within the kind of capitalist therapy system there are ways of making it more accessible to yourself yeah and the other option is like i said go for a bit and then don't go the other option is you could do once or two weeks like you're describing a book or even go once a month which is you know one and a half deliveries and over the course of many years you'll get somewhere if you keep it regular you'll really get somewhere well also as well i think people think therapy is for the immediate it's a gift for the future Mm. you are working through the stuff now that is going to help you further down the line scotty you need to put on a t-shirt no because there's too many t-shirts in the world we've got too much stuff people keep on asking me with my podcast can you do a badge can you do merchandise no no i can't Well, hang on hang hang on what about reusing things and putting you know getting old white t-shirts and putting the logo on there oh do you know what i've got too many other things in my life to be doing than going around shops finding t-shirts to sell scotty are we building a brand or not you know (laughs) you you treat yourself to it i'm very anti-brand i'm like listen i don't know why these people keep listening i don't know why they show up i don't even know why they listen to anything i have to say i'm not qualified but still every week they come back for more well it's because i'll tell you why because i love your podcast and um i don't know i think it's because everyone's invited it feels like a proper gas it feels like there's a group of people on a table over there and you keep noticing them because they keep howling with laughter and then it, the listening to the podcast is that you've pulled up a chair and now you're involved in the discussion and you realize that there's nothing exclusive about the discussion aside from talking about therapy for 10 minutes you know like it's it's very for you know everyone could join in and you've got it's all about the listeners which obviously i think one of the things that's lovely about this podcast is it's about the community of the listeners but it's very funny and silly and warm and wonderful it's um it's a it's a ridiculous thing it was born out of me and my mate debbie who i met um at radio four because you know i do bits over there as well for yes highbrow radio um (laughs) and my mum always says don't call it radio Say radio, that's how you say it properly. I'm like, Mum, you say radio, that's how I've learnt it. I want to hear more people on Radio 4 saying radio. So I, I tell you what, some of my early gigs on the BBC, people would say to me, sorry, you're going to have to say that again because people won't understand a word you're saying. You could sue for that now. I could, but I mean, again, I haven't got the time or inclination. <laughs> you need a lawyer and a brand ambassador right urgent. <laughs> well, brand manager. News, is mm. with the podcast people asking for a badge i said look 
I'll give you the drawings, I'll give you mm-hmm. the design, and you can make it at home with the tat you've got lying around at home. Because yeah. then they can make the brand themselves, treat themselves to it, and mm-hmm. I don't have to do anything. That's the way that I'd like to live life. You're like that Jimmy from Wikipedia. Who's Jimmy from Wikipedia? Isn't that the guy who set up Wikipedia? Is it Jimmy? Wikipedia founder. One moment, please call him. How is somebody who set up the most intelligent website in the world called Jimmy? <laughs> Jimmy Wales. It is Jimmy Wales. I reversed out of saying Wales because I thought, mm, I think that's someone royal. Jimmy Wales created Wikipedia. <laughs> Something I thought was wonderful because I was saying it is funny and it's lovely and it's all of those things. But then you had a little cry on the podcast, which I thought was amazing. I did have a little cry. I, you know, it occasionally happens. I'm a real person. I have got feelings, Chris. Don't worry. <laughs> um, yes, I, I guess because I never know. I, yeah, so the idea of the concept, the concept is there is this burner phone. The producers go through it, listen to voice notes that have been sent to me. And they think, mm. right, let's throw these at, him see what he does with these and I listen to them and so it's recording and it's my immediate response to what these people have said and I go off on these tangents and we talk about loads of different things often we talk about non-monogamy we talk about sex we talk about pooing yourself it's like I mean we really Mm. go there hun do you know what I mean and um Mm. we were talking about how someone called up from Canada because it's international someone said um (laughs) I've changed. I've changed in the last two years. And it just really affected me because I was thinking about a friend that I had met. We just had that conversation. And I remember thinking and feeling what I felt when I was with them, Mm. talking about how they had changed. And it just, because of the honesty that people come to the podcast with, we've talked about child loss, mental health, depression, career attacks, family, how to put up with your family over Christmas. Mm. Because we like, they come with that intimacy. I think I owe it to them to be like, okay, well, here's here's where I'm at. And Mm. just sometimes it comes over you and you're like, the truth comes out. You know, it is funny, it is ridiculous. I can be a curmudgeon. I really like taking umbrage at things on the podcast. But Mm. yeah, there's just... um, we all sort of know that we're there to tell the truth and it is a bit of an overshare space. I think that's the best way to sort of describe it is that people really do come there with their honesty. And that makes me, as much as it makes the listeners at home think and feel, it Mm. makes me feel on the other end of it. And I was thinking about it once you started talking about it yourself, about friendships that change. And it's not something that people talk about much, is it? That... They evolve and grow. It really changes as you get older who and what your friendships are. And I've never actually... I don't think I've ever heard anyone talk about it, really, because it can be really sad. And and how your friendships are as well. I think that's Mm. really important. You know, I think growing up... Oh, God forbid I just said I'm growing up. um, (laughs) You start to realise what sort of friendships you require. Mm. And then you start to see your friends also administer that advocacy for themselves. And sometimes those wants and those desires, what you want from a friendship and what they want from a friendship, they change. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I think, you know, 
as the fat weird kid at school, you know, I just wanted to have all of the friends. I wanted, mm-hmm. I wanted to be popular. Yeah. And when I stepped out into gay life, I thought, this is my moment. Little did I know. <laughs> <laughs> I would still have no friends. So I have to start the podcast. <laughs> but you like, you get to this point of, of being like older and queer and just being like, I'm all right with the three people that like me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. But it does take time. And there is a, a moment, I think, in... Well, I think this will probably happen throughout life, where you realise these long-standing friendships that you've had or that you've made, you're not into the same things anymore. You're not the same people anymore. And as yes. you adapt and evolve, so have they. Yes. And I think that's why I'm a big advocate for polyamory, actually. Mm-hmm. Because I think the pressure that is often put on relationships to succeed in the way that they succeeded right at the start of a relationship, right at the start Mm. when you first met and you have that fresh new energy that brings so much stuff and excitement. How can you expect that from somebody who then knows you inside out and you've been partnered with them for 20 years? Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. So, are you single at the moment? No, you are in a couple. Uh, I am in... Oh, great. Here we go. We're going to go... Can I say balls deep? She just did. Yeah. We're, we're going all the way, as, as the children <laughs> say. Um, so, I'm a no- non-monogamous person, and I have non-monogamous relationships. I prefer my non-monogamy to look like polyamory, which, mm-hmm. for youngsters and people who consider themselves old-fashioned what that means is i have and i feel i have the capability to love more than one person (sighs) mad people think (laughs) it's this newfound thing it really isn't i mean some roman emperors have been were doing it you know so it's it's not this like newfangled thing that we've all made up in this in this world Uh, so non-monogamy makes sense to me Mm. because I had been in a monogamous relationship with someone for a very, very long time. We met when I was very young. I was 18. And by the time I was like 28, I was like a very different person. You know, I'd grown up. I'd been like late teenager into a fully formed human, a half formed human (laughs) that I was like, 
you know, you just have different desires. And I, I think something that really rang true to me was, I don't know why I expect you to be my everything, my confidant, my concrete, my foundations, my stability, and be new, fresh, dynamic, dangerous. I think that that, <laughs> that expectation for one person just doesn't make sense. Yes. So non-monogamy works for me. So currently what my relationship status is, is I have a companion, somebody who I've been emotionally attached to and with for coming up to 20 years mm-hmm. wild mm-hmm. um and then i have a new relationship which is a monogamous relationship because this person is a monogamous person mm-hmm. um and that is like 6 months in but i'm like i've had like my fair share of relationships over the last 5 years and i've experimented with lots of different shapes and styles i think what makes sense to me is a school of thought brace yourself because this is going to sound very modern relationship anarchy okay relationship anarchy is the idea that you go on a date you might meet somebody and there is the potential for that relationship to be anything Mm-hmm. So it could be a non-sexual relationship, it could be your best friend, it could be your lover, it could be your dom top daddy that you've always been looking for, it could be anything. Estate agent. It could <laughs> you never there's a niche for everything, love. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> oh good. So I think for me that sort of school of thought makes sense. But I think quite often when I talk about non-monogamy online, people think that I'm like trying to hard sell it like an estate agent. Like I am trying to say, you all must do this. When actually what I'm saying is, it's just another way of being. And to me and to other folk like me, it really makes a lot of sense. But Mm. to some people, it's just not their thing. That's cool. Exactly. I think like my personal view on all of that stuff not that anyone needs my view but like is please god can we all understand that everything is a spectrum and everything on that spectrum is as valid when that comes to what kind of relationship you want what kind of people you want to have sex with what kind of cheese you like like can everyone just calm the fuck down about people who seem to move around be off the the sort of heavier ends of the dial where people cluster around you know and like it's funny that you call it relationship anarchy because I think that's probably why I've never been able to do it because I am not I can't do that I can't do undefined you know what I mean and it, it just stresses me out but I also just think anyone who's able to make that work is having a ton more fun than I am yeah, but look, I tell the truth. There's a bit more admin involved. <laughs> yes, a lot of admin. Yes. Not, n- non-monogamous people will tell you that those Google Drive, iCloud things are your friend. Where you can do a shared spreadsheet and work out what everybody's doing at different times of the wow, week. I never Very thought helpful. about that. So yeah. then you have, when you get updated with like, because it's polyamorous, there's people who come and go. Is it like... So-and-so left the spreadsheet. <laughs> no, so-and-so has been kicked out the shared spreadsheet. I yeah. think you find. Do you well, have I a WhatsApp th- group? I think... <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine Be like, I've just removed this person. You have yeah. no authority. <laughs> as they say on the, on the <laughs> Zoom. Um, no, I think 
Oh, for me, I think I've navigated lots of different relationships that have had lots of different shapes. And some mm. of those have been quite admin heavy. Mm. And I think, you know, on a real serious note, the thing that I'm always, the two sort of rules that I, well, maybe there's three sort of ways of being that I always try to, try to be ethical within non-monogamy is open communication is an absolute must. You yeah. know, tell me how you're feeling and you're thinking and I will respond and I will, you know, tell you how I'm thinking and feeling. Two, which is keep up to date on your health data. Let me know how, well, not let me know how you're having sex with others, but just, you know, respect my health and my desires as I wish for Mm. you. And um, the other one is my catchphrase, which is, it's not a competition. (laughs) It's not a competition. Like, I don't need you to think that I'm better than the other person. You don't need to say you're the best. Like, we don't need to set up these hierarchies. Mm. So the reason to do that just creates insecurity in other people. Mm. So why would we do it? So I think there are ways of being ethical and kind. Again, they work for some people. They don't work for everybody. Mm. How do you identify right now in terms of your sexuality and gender and all of that? Big questions. (laughs) <laughs> well, I mean, it makes yeah. sense considering this is called Homo sapiens, to be fair. So, all right, fine, I'll answer them. <laughs> Under duress. <laughs> I never thought this was going to turn into Newsnight. Fine, here we go. So, um, with gender, I'm always a bit like, oh, meh? Because <laughs> yeah. it's never felt like, you know, I know I look like a big fat Mary with a hairy face, so I'm aware that, like, I- I'm not, I'm not trying to say... Um, I am not a man, but I don't, Mm. and I've never felt like a man. I've never been accepted into masculinity. I've never thought I need to fight for masculinity. Mm. I need to be a man. I feel slightly, well, I feel very uncomfortable around straight men. I feel inadequate. I feel like I don't understand how to communicate or Mm. I, 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 and often, it will be the harassment from straight men on the street that mm-hmm. I'll be on the receiving end with. Yeah. But in the same vein, I've never really hit it off with a lot of gay men. Like a lot of my friends have been quite successful in creating uh, what they call in the business a gaggle of gays. Mm-hmm. You know, they've been able to um, create a network of gay men who are their pals. And I've never really kind of managed to do that i found my own my people if if you want in sort of different spaces and so you know that sort of dictates kind of my sexuality you know like when i first came out onto the gay scene i thought i've watched queer as folk i know how this is going to go down i'm going to walk into a nightclub <laughs> everyone's going to want to have it off with me uh spoiler didn't happen <laughs> didn't oh, happen Everyone spoiler, was like, spoiler spoiler Oh, no, not you. And, you know, I remember being, like, habitually bullied by older queens waiting to get into nightclubs just because, you know, I I just wasn't desirable. And so they were like, well, we don't know why you're here. Mm. Um, And then I found sort of fat gay male space. And I thought, well, I mean, here we go. I've seen how this goes. I've watched Queer as Folk. It didn't happen there. I wasn't hairy enough in the right places. I wasn't like being a muscle bear. Like, I, you know, I've constantly failed in the eyes mm. of other people. And so um, that sort of led me very quickly to find queer culture, where mm. everyone was just like, be what you want to be, do what you want. I remember being 
um, in a nightclub. I thought about this the other day because I was scrolling on the internet. I was watching a video by Vivian Justin Bond and they oh, yeah. were um, singing a song and I thought, I remember when I was about 20, maybe 22, and I was in a nightclub and I said to Vivian, I was like, I just want to be a performer. How do I do it? How do I do it? And they like oh. turned around in their gruff voice and they were like, honey, it probably won't happen until you're 40, but keep going. <laughs> Oh, wow. <laughs> and wow. I remember really, like, holding on to that, thinking, I just need to get to 40. I just mm-hmm. need to get to 40. <laughs> um, but kind of seeing those icons, you know, watching, like, the sort of London queer scene, seeing, like, Peaches Live, seeing, like, Unskinny Bop, who were this, like, fat DJ yes. troupe in London, and just being like, oh, there's, like, a different way like I don't have to pretend to be like the others yes. um, which then just spurred me on to be able to turn into the weirder that I am today. Yeah and it's funny isn't it because it is like there that whole scene when you arrive on it is oh, it's, it's a very cold atmosphere and you think you're getting it all wrong and all of that but actually when you it just takes you just takes a while and you find your gang and actually then it's lovely and there are many facets and I think the thing to hold on to which I don't think I did but you know if I had my time again which I won't is to just remember you're not doing anything wrong like it's not it's not you and it's not even them it's just a, it's not a right fit you know I, I, do you know what I think it is them <laughs> <laughs> I think they are to blame I was excellent I was amazing I should have been yes. embraced no I, do you know what and I think this is this is unfortunately becoming a bit of a trope within our community that they were just processing the bullshit that they were trying to process that was placed upon them. Yeah. And that externalised in a way where, you know, we've all been vile. We've all got the capability of being vile. Mm. And I think we are a traumatised people. And sometimes I think we need to like lean into that and be like, okay, yeah, cool. I remember Amy LeMay once telling me... um, you know, these people have not had that time on the playground. They've mm. not had that kiss mm-hmm. chase. They've not had the I fancy him. And so what they're doing now is they're reliving that early teenage time out in a nightclub and they're yeah. learning social cues. And there was part of that which I, I really do believe. But I do think we do have to just take responsibility because I don't think it costs anything to be nice. No, you're absolutely right. And, you know, I... <laughs> I suppose what I mean in that statement is you can waste a lot of energy on being angry with people and that mm. can almost become your MO and like and then you start hating people and actually it's a better thing to absolutely like you're saying expect more but at the same time maybe be a bit more zen about it as well you know and you know, like, I remember going, because one of the first nights I ever went out, I went to the Shadow Lounge in London. We in... used to call it the Shallow Lounge. Because, sh- <laughs> like, to get in, you had to look a certain way, you had to be wearing, like, a certain thing. And it was a yeah. rough of um, Housewives of Watch Your Face. It was their gap, Who wasn't was it? it? Who was it? Was, um, oh, yeah, Vanderpump. it was. I forgot. I didn't know that until... And she'd be on the door. No, yes, no. Yeah, I totally forgot it was Lisa Vanderpump. And... Anyway, me and my friend Andy decided we were gay together, came out to each other and went to Freedom in Wardour Street, the gay bar. Lovely bar. Lovely, Lovely bar. bar. 
we had a lovely refreshing drink, got drunk, decided we wanted to kiss a boy. So we said, excuse me, is there a gay club around here? Someone said, go over there. So we went into Shadow Lounge. And in down in the basement of Shadow Lounge, which was, you know, there was purple rhinestones all over the wall. Everyone was topless wearing cowboy hats, is what I remember. And they all had amazing bodies. And I was like, you know, me and Andy and our little two boys from Wimbledon in an Oxford shirt sort of like, hello um you know I was like mm, this is not gonna work I don't hate those people even though they were very nice to me I think you know what just you had your shit I've got mine do you know what you're a great person Chris and I I would I'm gonna tell you the truth I would love to live in that world where I could be like I'm just really zen about this you do you hun as the children say <laughs> but do you know what I can't fucking stand them <laughs> just this part of me was just like Okay, I know we're all supposed to be living our best life. You do you, stay in your lane. Yeah. In a world where you can be anything, be kind. But there is part of me which is like, I fundamentally know there are people in this world with different political belief systems than I, that Mm. I'm okay with not being their friend and thinking, you're not a great person, you're a capitalist. Mm -hmm. And I don't think all capitalists are bad people, but I think... Bad people are capitalists. (laughs) You know, I think, you know, quite often when we have these conversations, we're supposed to be, you know, measured and non-judgmental. But I don't know. I think I've lived, I've lived a difficult life where I think I've earned judgment. (laughs) I've earned the, the right to say there are a group of people in society that have made it very explicit that they do not mind the suffering of poor people and as a child that grew up in poverty I think I find it difficult to try and see where they're coming from do you know what I mean but I love yes. I would love to live with that like as you're saying like you know that zen atmosphere and then let's just kind of like because I think that would create more peace in this very turbulent world but mm. I do have rage attached to things that doesn't mean I'm going to go out there and hurt them or it just means at worst I'm going to go you're wrong (laughs) (laughs) that's the end of part one with Scotty come back for more Scotty for more 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 in part two it's on the feed I highly recommend it 
powered by Spirit Studios.